0: Well, good morning, faith family. We'll say hello to those in our live venue. If you have a Bible, would you please turn to Matthew chapter 1? Matthew chapter 1 is where we'll be uh, this morning. And uh, we're in a series this uh, holiday season, this Christmas time, we're calling Signs. And the reason is, kind of what that sermon series means is, if you've ever been reading through the Christmas narrative, like in the Gospels, it's almost like the Gospel writers have ADD. They're constantly, ref- like, so they'll write a few verses and then it's like, and then a prophet said, and then they'll write a few more verses and then it's, and then a prophet said, and they're constantly referring you back from the Christmas story to the Old Testament. In, in other words, there are signs of Christmas that happened long before that first Christmas night. I want to show you one this morning called the sign of Emmanuel. We see it here in Matthew chapter 1. If you're able to stand, please do so as we honor the reading of God's Word. The sign of Emmanuel. Notice Matthew writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. "...to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And then notice what Matthew writes. "...all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet." Father, strip us of being superficial this morning. Strip us from any sense of being fake with how we feel in our hearts. Teach us this morning what the sign of Emmanuel means. Give us hope. A hope that can only be found in jesus christ so meet us here oh holy spirit come meet us here to the glory of jesus we pray and all god's people said amen you may be seated There must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Among the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Brownies. Christmas is coming. But I'm not happy. That's what Charlie Brown told Linus. In fact, if you've ever seen the movie, if you're above the age of two, I assume you have. A Charlie Brown Christmas. It's a story about trying to find meaning at Christmas time. Because Christmas is a time when you're supposed to celebrate, you're supposed to be happy. It's like you saw in that clip. The kids are out of school, they're all out skating on the ice, they're laughing, they're having a wonderful time. The music in the background is singing, Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer, fun for all. The children call their favorite time of year. And that's true for almost everybody except Charlie Brown. Now, don't give Charlie Brown too much grief. He's not trying to be the Grinch and steal your Christmas. He's not trying to be Ebenezer Scrooge and just be humbug about everything. In fact, by his own admission, he likes Christmas presents. He likes sending Christmas cards. He likes seeing all the Christmas trees decorated in their lights he enjoys the activities of Christmas just like anybody else. He's just honest enough to look around and say that he struggles making sense out of it all. Christmas is coming. But I'm not happy. And Fate Family, Charlie Brown is not the first person to be that honest about christmas because that's exactly the emotion and the context of Matthew chapter 1 with the sign of Emmanuel look at verse 22 all this took place to fulfill what the lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. We hear that word a lot, don't we, at Christmas? In fact, we we, we see Emmanuel a lot. How many of you have received the Christmas card in the mailbox that has Emmanuel, God with us, on it? Or you'll sing Christmas songs like, Oh come, O oh come, Emmanuel. You know how I know? Because we just did. This is the time of year where that theological debate begins to rage like, is Emmanuel with an I or Emmanuel with an E? We don't know. You don't even have to be a church person to have heard of Emmanuel before. And likely you even know what it means. On the count of three, tell me. One, two, three. God with us. But what does it really mean? We're so familiar with it and that may be the problem. What does the sign of Emmanuel mean? Mean because the truth is, a lot of us have been taught Emmanuel from a relational context. Here's what I mean God became a man so that we can have a relationship with God, God with us, so that we can be with God. Do do you follow? No, 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 don't misunderstand. That is absolutely true. It is central to the Gospel. It's at the heart of Christmas, but it's not what it would have meant to Joseph on that first Christmas night. So what in the world does the sign of Emmanuel in Matthew chapter 1 mean? I can't tell you how excited I am to teach that to us this morning. But, before we can really understand Matthew 1, would you journey back with me 700 years to Isaiah chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, go there or you can follow on the screen. Here in Isaiah 7, let me set the, the setting of Emmanuel or the context. We're going to be introduced this morning to a man by the name of King Ahaz. And King Ahaz is in the middle of a major, major crisis. Verse 2, when the house of David was told, Syria is in a league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, the heart of his people, shook as the trees of the forest shake. Before the wind, or that is before the storm. So here's what we know thus far. King Ahaz and his people, the people of Judah, are in a situation that's so terrifying that the text says their hearts are shaking like the trees of a forest shake right before a major storm. Think about that imagery. They are scared. They are afraid. They are frightened because they have absolutely no idea what their future holds. Why? Do you remember a king by the name of Solomon? Do you remember what happened after Solomon died? The nation of Israel, 12 tribes... When Solomon died, they split. Ten tribes went north. The greatest tribe was Ephraim. Two tribes went south. That is Judah. The greatest tribe being Judah. You got big brother Ephraim. You got little brother Judah. Now... During this time, there is a nation that's rising. It's gaining power. It's a nation, you've heard it before, by the name of Assyria. In fact, you'll notice on this map, do you notice the dark green? That's the land Assyria had conquered in the 800s BC. Do you see all the light green? That's the land that Assyria will conquer by the sixteen hundred by, by the 600s. Here's the point. Assyria is up and coming. They're a rising, powerful nation. And all the other little nations around are starting to become very afraid that they're next. If you're with me, say yes. Syria, not to be confused with Assyria. Notice in the top right corner, underneath divided kingdom. Syria calls up Ephraim on the phone. Spoiler on. I'll meet you tomorrow morning at Starbucks, and let's talk. We know it's Starbucks because nobody in the Bible would ever go to Caribou. I'm, just, I'm kidding. It's a joke. I'm just kidding. Some of y'all really took that seriously. So they come together the next day, and they say, here's a great idea. Let's form a coalition because together we'll be stronger if Assyria decides to attack. They spit on it. They shake hands. They sign on the dotted line. And then big brother Ephraim turns to little brother Judah and says, why don't you join our league as well? We could be even stronger, little brother. If you join with us, Three's better than two. Now let me ask you this. How many of you show of hands have a brother or sister? How many of you have siblings? Raise them high. All right. A lot of you do. You ever had a disagreement with your brother or sister? Show of hands. I, every hand ought to be back up. Yeah. I've got an older brother. Six and a half years older than I am. we get along great today. But needless to say, growing up, we had our share of battles. Right? That's, yes, that's a real picture of me and my brother. I'm the cute one on the left. Anyways, we fought like brothers growing up and I'll never forget one time my brother invited his girlfriend over yeah you know how this one's gonna go and little brother who was so sweet and innocent who would grow up to be a man of the cloth I mean this (laughs) couldn't be a sweeter brother refused to leave them alone I don't remember exactly what I was doing. I think I was trying to tell her about Jesus. I, I think that that's what I was... Would... <laughs> Whatever it was, I'm sure it was spiritual in nature. Play along. But needless to say, I was beginning to annoy my big brother. And he looked at me and said, Leave. And I looked at him and said, No. <laughs> and he grabbed... A wooden pool stick chased me up the stairs and <laughs> whacked me across the back of my legs with a pool stick. Now, factor that into on another occasion, he shot me in the back of the head with a BB gun. I know. Some of you are like, that explains a lot. That answers so many questions about you. Here's the point. Sometimes when you look at big brother and say no, a fight breaks out. And Judah looked at Ephraim and said no. So Ephraim got high school buddy Syria and went after Judah and they fought But as was the case in my family, little brother beat up big brother. I hope my brother doesn't listen to this sermon before Christmas, right? (laughs) Judah wins, but they are severely damaged. In fact, here's what we know happens after that fight. King Ahaz in Isaiah 7 is alone. He's got no allies, No friends. He's weak. They lost about 120,000 men. They're broken. That is, the city has been damaged. They are scared. They have no idea what the future holds. Why? Because Assyria is on the rise and Ephraim and Syria want to attack again and conquer the city for good. And that's why right here, Ahaz and his people are shaking like trees of a forest before a storm. They're in the middle of a crisis. Have you ever been there? Look at me. It is really, really easy at this time of year to be very superficial. And I prayed today we would not be fake. Have you ever been in a crisis? A marriage crisis, a financial crisis, a health crisis, maybe even a faith crisis? But whatever it is, you looked at your circumstances, you looked at the situation around you, and you thought, I don't have any idea how I got here, and I certainly have no idea how I'm getting out. And you can kind of relate to the text when it says that your heart shook like trees before a storm. That's how Ahaz feels. So what does God do? He sends him a messenger, verse 3, by the name of Isaiah, a prophet, who comes to Ahaz with a word of encouragement, verse 7. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. Translation, they will not ultimately overtake you. For the head of Syria is Damascus. The head of Damascus is Rezin, And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. That's going to happen by us, Syria. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. The head of Samaria is the son of Remelah. And then notice this. Ahaz, Judah, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. What a word. You're in the midst of crisis. You're in the midst of hell. You're in the midst of everything falling apart. God has a word for you. God has a promise for you. He's going to deliver you. You're not going to be defeated. But if you're not firm in faith, you won't be firm at all. You're going to have to trust in the midst of your crisis. You're going to find out whether or not your faith is real. Because a faith not applied is no faith at all. Listen to how C.S. Lewis says it so much better than I You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth becomes a matter of life and death. It's easy to say you believe a rope is strong as long as you're using it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then discover how much you really trusted it? God says through Isaiah, I know you're in the midst of a crisis. I know your heart is shaking like a tree before a storm. God's got a promise for you. But you're going to have to apply your faith. I wonder this morning if you're here, what is it in your life today that is causing you to activate your faith in God? What am I going to believe in Is, is there, is there some kind of promise that I know that this will come true? Is there some kind of a sign that I can cling to? Verse 10. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol and as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. On the surface, that seems honorable, doesn't it? Does it ring a bell to you in the Bible that you shall not put the Lord your God to the test? So you might almost assume, well, that King Ahaz, he's sure an awesome guy. He's not going to put the Lord to his test. Here's the problem. And I'm going to like so overwhelm you right now with deep, deep theology. Do you know why Ahaz is being disobedient by not asking for a sign? Here it is. We're going to get deep. Live venue. We're going to get deep. God told him to. Isn't that what the text says? The Lord spoke to Ahaz ask. A sign of the Lord. In other words, that's how we know that Ahaz's response to God was that of disobedience. We know it even more in verse 13. He said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Translation, it's one thing when you say no to Ephraim, to men, to the coalition. Right here. It's an entirely different thing when you say no to God. Here's the point, and it's a big point. The issue is never whether or not God provides deliverance for you, the issue is always will you take it? The issue is never. Does God offer hope in the midst of your crisis? The issue is, will you believe and obey? I'll tell you this much, I am thankful that God's faithfulness to us does not depend upon our faithfulness to Him. Amen? Amen? Because notice what God does next. He bypasses Ahaz and go straight to the people of Judah. Hang with me. This is about to get really good. Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you, that is plural in the Hebrew, you, that is the people of Judah, a sign. Behold, here's the sign, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. In other words, what's the sign in the midst of your crisis that God is going to be faithful to you? Answer, it is the sign of Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I will only take a second to do this, but I must do it to be faithful to the text. Most scholars believe that this child in Isaiah 7 is an actual child. Some even say it's Isaiah's child, based on Isaiah chapter 8. But even so, it doesn't matter, because what have we learned week in and week out and week in and week out? The Old Testament is pointing us to a future reality. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. Let me ask you, is David a real king? This means yes, right? Yeah, he's a real king. He's a real dude. Is he pointing us to a greater king? You better believe he is. Were Old Testament sacrifices real sacrifices? Absolutely. Were they pointing us to an ultimate larger sacrifice? Oh, absolutely. In other words, this child is a real child in Isaiah's day, but it's pointing us to a future child that we'll see in Matthew 1. But before we go there, we got to get this. You ready? You ready for the sign of Emmanuel? What is Isaiah 7 all about? One, a man in crisis... Ahaz and Judah are shaking like a forest before the storm. Two, a messenger of God comes with a word. God has promises for you. Believe. Three, the man, Ahaz, turns his back on God and disobeys. Nevertheless, four, God gives a sign. That sign is Emmanuel. And only now can you understand what it meant for Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1. Turn back to Matthew 1 verse 18. I'm so excited. (laughs) Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal period. Supposed to be completely pure. Before they came together. She was found to be with child. Uh oh. From the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolves to do this. I'll just divorce her quietly. In other words, what do you have in Matthew chapter 1? A man in crisis. When Mary comes to Joseph and says, guess what? I'm pregnant. Joseph's response is not, well, that's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. Clark. It's not, whoa, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Let's have a party. No, his life flashes before his eyes. The marriage he thought he'd have appears to be over. The future he'd always dreamed about is ruined. The reputation, he's known as a just man, and that reputation he spent so much time trying to build is about to be tarnished forever. Christmas is coming, Charlie Brown, and Joseph is anything but happy. So, what does God do? He sends a messenger, but not a prophet an angel verse 20 but as he considered these things behold a angel a messenger of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not fear to take mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit in other words what happens a man is in crisis a messenger is sent with a word what is that word don't fear No need to shake like a tree before a storm. Trust God and take Mary as your wife. But what am I going to believe in? How how do I know that this promise is true? Is there some kind of a sign? Verse 22. You're kidding. All this? All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew quotes Isaiah 7. Why? Joseph, do you remember another man who faced impossible odds? Do you remember another man who saw his life flash before his eyes? Do you remember another man who felt like he was living in the midst of hell? What did God give His people in that day? He gave them a sign the sign of Emmanuel, guess what? He is now here in the person of Jesus Christ. You don't need a sign, because Joseph, you've got a son. And that son, are you looking at me? That son is God's guarantee that no matter what hell you walk through, God is with you. You're not alone. And how does Joseph respond? Praise God, it's unlike Ahaz. Verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. In other words, Joseph trusts and obeys. He found out on that Christmas night just how strong the rope was. Because he's hanging on to Jesus for dear life. And I wonder if just ringing in the back of his mind was this. If you're not firm in faith, you won't be firm at faith. Is that not a beautiful imagery of the difference between Ahaz shaking like a tree before the storm and Joseph who applies his faith and has a firm foundation in the crisis? So what is the sign of Emmanuel when you get your Christmas card in the mail? Or you sing, O come, O come Emmanuel. Yes, yes, yes. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God with us so we can be with Him. Yes and Amen. But I want to tell you something else about the sign of Emmanuel. When you're like Ahaz and Joseph and you feel like you're in a hopeless situation and you're like Charlie Brown and everybody else is celebrating but you can't quite find a reason, you can rest in the this promise to you God is with you in the person of Jesus Christ and God's never failing and ever presence with us is what brings comfort in the crisis that'll preach at Christmas time stop being superficial don't walk in this place and be fake some of us are here this morning and we are just like ahaz we are just like joseph and we're in the middle of a personal crisis if our marriage next year is like our marriage was this year we have absolutely no idea what the future is going to hold If our income is next year, what it was this year, we have absolutely no idea what the future is going to hold. I just got the scans back and it's positive and I have no idea what the next year is going to hold. Pastor, I'm willing to be honest this morning. I'm in the middle of a crisis. I got a word for you. Look to a manger. Because there in a manger is a promise to you. And that promise is you're not alone. Because in the darkest valley that you are going through or will ever go through, Christmas tells you God came into the darkness Himself. And therefore, He's the only one who can deliver you out. Some of you this morning need to not be fake and acknowledge the struggle you're having at Christmas time and receive the sign of Emmanuel. Others of you, in fact, all of us apart from Jesus Christ are facing a spiritual crisis. Here's the thing with Ahaz and Joseph. They could not get themselves out of their own dilemma. And that's the reality of every single one of us before God. In fact, look at Matthew 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Why? Because they can't save themselves from their sins. Can I just tell you this morning, the biggest crisis of life is the fact that you are separated from God because of your sin. And you've got no way out except Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. But if you'll look to a manger which represents a Savior born who's going to live a perfect life, the one you can't live, and He's going to die on the cross the death that you should die, and He's going to rise again to give you the life you need, if you will look to Him, if you'll look to that Emmanuel today, you will experience in a transforming way God with you because God will be in you. Christmas is coming. But I ain't happy. It's what Charlie Brown told Linus. And he wasn't the first one to feel that way. Because at the first announcement of Emmanuel, Ahaz is shaken like a tree before a storm. And in the final announcement of Emmanuel, Joseph isn't celebrating. In fact, he's trying to figure out how he can just walk away from it all. But Charlie Brown found his answer, didn't he? He found the meaning. And he found it just like Joseph a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The promise that no matter what you're facing, God is with you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, it doesn't get any better than that. John Wesley said on his deathbed, there is nothing better than God with us. And I got a feeling, Father, and You know it more than I, that there are some hearts here today shaking like trees. They are searching for answers. They're searching for hope. And you have given us a sign. You've given us more than a sign. You've given us a son. Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. Just like you did with Ahaz, the way of hope has been offered today. The question is, will we receive it? Will we embrace it? Will we love Him and follow Him? No matter how dark it gets. So God, would you by your Spirit bring that hope to us this morning? May we be like Joseph and not Ahaz. May we trust, may we believe, and may we obey. In Jesus' name.